Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I don't know who Danny Limelight is. I know. You know. They don't know yet. Yeah. Danny Limelight. Puerto Rican poppy from New York City. Listen, I'm explosive. I'm fast. I'm radioactive. And the best thing about it is I look good while doing it all. NJP Strong, tune in. Yeah. Bandana on the scalp and it's top tight. One star on my flag and it's shine bright. Laser vision, ain't no need for the hindsight. I'ma get it, watch me bask in the limelight. Yo, yo. Danny Limelight, how are you doing? Doing good, me gente, how you doing? Doing all, all good here, thank you. Are we, are we, um, are we friends enough so I can call you King of the Time Borgs or not? Yeah, you could. We, you can, we, can definitely, we can definitely go by King of the Time Boys. Or you could call me Joe Rev, whichever one you prefer. Oh, we're going to talk about Joe Rev. We're going to talk about Joe Rev. But can I? But to, to go back to the King of the Time Boys thing, I'm really up for seeing this movie that you've done with, with John Morrison, a.k.a. Yes. John, John Hennigan. It looks like, from what I've seen, what I've gleamed of it, it was fun to work on. It was so much fun, man. We was in Florida. We stood, you know, at this uh, beautiful hotel. It was I can't remember the name of the top of my head, but it was all pink. You know, it was a super well-known hotel. The beach was right out back. You know, we had a lot of fun sh- shooting the film, a lot of fun with the fight choreo, you know, dressing up as the time Borgs, working with, you know, Nick Nemeth as well. You know, Dolph Ziggler was in the film. Um, and John, man, John is awesome. You know, John is one of those guys that what you see is what you get. He looks like a dope person on TV and he's a doper person in real life. So it was so much fun working with him. Um, for those uninitiated, what is a time Borg? A time Borg. Yes. So basically, you know, time Borgs are these, 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 these Borgs essentially that are traveling back and to and from the time they're time travelers to stop John's character from saving the world, essentially, you know, um, and we, we do some things in the film. I don't really want to spoil too much, um, that sets John on his quest and, you know, we're the bad guys. We're those I don't want to say stormtrooper like, you know, but kind of on that, on that, you know, that, 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 uh, that same wavelength, you know, we're just obstacles for John. The real threat is obviously Nick Nemeth and uh, some other things that pop up. We don't want to say too much. They like say, don't want to give yeah. the film away. We don't want to give the film away, but basically think wrestling meets a bit of Star Wars meets a bit of Doctor Who. And we're kind of there. <laughs> Maybe yeah, it's kind of like that Doctor Who. We got to get the Doctor Who love in there. This is yeah. we're, we're in Britain after all. It was so uh, much fun. It's doing really well in film festivals too, man. I'm so proud of John. That's got to be a great signif- signifier, isn't it? If something's doing well, if if the if the, 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 the if the peers are loving it, that's got to yeah. put you at your ease a little bit, doesn't it? Yes, hundred percent. Amazing. Hey, look, we'll talk touch more movies in a bit. I want to talk about John Rev, talk about your other stuff because uh, a well-traveled movie man you are, sir. But we want to send you onto a metaphorical desert island, which I think after the last 18 months, I'm sure we all would like to do because we haven't been on our own enough. Um, but we're sending you there with uh, three wrestling matches to watch whilst you are there. What would you like your first match to be, Danny? Eddie vs. Ray, Halloween Havoc 97. Straight in there with this one. So uh, this is a, an absolute classic why this one though for you because not only is it eddie guerrero um it's ray mysterio you love both of them i feel like this match was not i want to say ray's coming out party but i think this match kind of really showed everybody just how good ray mysterio is it showed everyone how much of a heel eddie guerrero can be um i think that the match was just so perfectly put together the psychology the 
the the moves, everything, just the timing, the story they were telling. I loved it, man. I, I even the finish was insane. So it it just stood out in what WCW was doing at that time. It just it really out of what all of wrestling was doing. You know, yeah. WWE wasn't doing anything like that in '97. You know, oh, that's oh, no chance. They were, I think, at '97. That point, they were kind of half-heartedly starting their own sort of cruiserweight thing in the light yes. heavyweight division. But as as we say, very half-hearted, very half-witted. But it was it was Guerrero and Mysterio just changing the game. How? Where would you have been then when you watched this for the first time? Can you remember where you were? Yeah, I was. I didn't watch it for the first time until 2014 when I started training to be a wrestler. Because when I was a kid, all I knew was WWF, WWE. So when I started training to be a wrestler, I had to go back and start learning things. And um, one of the matches that someone recommended to me was Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio. And I was like, sure, I watched that. You know, I love Eddie and, you know, Rey's the man. So at the time, Rey was kind of like on uh, Lucha Underground, you know. So he, he was killing it there. And Eddie had, obviously, he, was, he had passed away in 2005. And so... Uh, you know, he was one of my favorites when I was watching as a kid. So I was like, sure, let's let's fucking do it. I'll watch this one. And I was just blown away by it. And now to this to this day now, whenever I, you know, go to watch wrestling, that's the first match that I turn on to get me to get me going. You know, we, we mentioned a few bits in there, like the finish is, is one of those just moments that grabs you. But is there another spot in that match that, that even just to think about sort of gets the gets the hairs on your on your arm standing up? Yeah, the there fucking Ray did this dive to the outside and it was just insane you know just insane how they had teased it earlier and set it up and then when it happened it was just everything about this match you know even Eddie's intensity just just had me sitting there just I was so invested in the match so invested that's what's great about doing these conversations I'm happy that nobody had spoiled it for me before watching like no one told me who was gonna win so as I was sitting there I kind of was cheering for for Ray to win just because like Eddie was doing some amazing hill work in that match. And uh, yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was a good surprise for me. So when you say so you started training in 2014, you mentioned there, but um, when did you actually get, when did you decide like as, as a WWE fan that you wanted to actually get in there and do it? Can you remember? As a, as a kid? Yeah, man. I, I remember watching Undertaker and Shawn Michaels at hell in a cell 97 or bad blood in the hell in a cell match. And, uh, I just remember how invested I was, how how much of the storytelling had me sitting there as, as a seven-year-old kid, like staring at the TV screen, you know, and when Kane came out, I was so upset. I like turned the TV off and like my dad smacked me in the back of the head and he's like, don't do that. I was watching that and yada, yada, yada. And I was sitting there, I was thinking to myself, man, like these guys really made me mad, you know, like I, like, I want to do this, you know, I want to have that feeling. I want to be that feeling for other people. I remember thinking that as a kid, but it was one of those things where nobody thought that I could actually do it because I was a much smaller kid and I was from New York. So it was just, you know, things like that usually don't happen for us. And you, for your family as well, like was it your dad that was a wrestling fan? Did he get you yes. into it? My dad was a huge ultimate warrior fan. He was a huge macho man fan. Um, he, he loved wrestling. He watched it and now he loves watching me. So it's so dope. But that must have been like, as you say, something that didn't seem possible. So I know your dad was a bus driver. I know your mom was an accountant as well. Yeah. So like the idea of, of you jumping into the screen and being a part of wrestling uh, must have been foreign to them. What's crazy is that my, my father wasn't even a bus driver yet. He was just he was still a dope dealer at that time. And he didn't become a bus driver until maybe early 2000s, you know, and uh, even then, you know, and I stopped watching wrestling around the time Eddie Guerrero passed away. So. You know, we just we don't do these things. You know, we we don't get to have these kind of dreams where I'm from. So it was kind of a surreal moment when I started actually doing this for a living. You know, and being able to pay my bills with the money that I made wrestling. Now, if you don't mind me asking, how old were you when you realized your dad was a dope dealer? I think the second time my dad went to college for a few months. College with bunny rabbit ears, little speech yeah. marks, as Danny threw out yeah. there. Yeah, he went to college for like three months. I was like, who gets a degree in three months? Hmm. Like, <laughs> like, what's going on here? This is weird. And one time he uh, he got arrested with me. Uh, I was walking with him on the South Side Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Uh, we, we walked into a bodega. He got me like some kind of, I can't remember what kind of juice it was at the time. It was like one of those like, you ever seen like the little quarter juices, little ones, little little barrel, barrel the, juices? The cartons of juice. Yeah, yeah. Like the little, yeah. the little uh, plastic barreled colorful juices i think i got like a purple one or red one, one of those, whichever color like those were like the ones that i really enjoyed and uh we came outside we probably took like 
I, I want to say like 15 to 30 steps from the bodega and like these DTs undercovers just pulled up, got out the car and grabbed my dad. And he didn't even, he couldn't even do nothing. He didn't want to run. I mean, he had me there. He couldn't do nothing. And uh, I remember them taking him and I remember them walking me to my grandma's house, which was two blocks from where they picked us up at. And she, the, the, cop, the cop knocks on the door. He's, he has his like hand on my shoulder and my grandma's like, Ay, otra vez. Which is like, oh my god, again, you know, and then he like, oh, she like pushes me into, he, she grabs me, like pushes me into the, into the apartment, and the cops leave, and yeah. I, what I was, was going through your mind when that was happening? Then, as you've been walked to your grandma's, and your your dad's just gone off with the police. What's going through your mind? Yeah. My dad's, a, my dad's a gangster. My dad's a troublemaker. My dad's a lot of things. You know, my dad was a lot of things, uh, but he was always a good father, and he somehow was able to balance out that, like. uh gangster father mentorship lifestyle you know like he he was like the neighborhood dad you know he took care of all my friends um everybody where i was from respected my dad so they took care of me when they saw me um it just sucked i didn't know how long he was going to be gone i obviously knew that he was in trouble but i, I was like oh i guess he's gonna go to college for a little while, a little while. <laughs> another degree but um with with when that happened um how did that affect you after your dad went away, like, cause you, you hear stories of people saying like, this is a, it's, it's a little crossroads. It's a crossroads moment where you either kind of fall, find yourself going down a similar path or you go, well, I'm going to be everything but that. So where yeah. did you go, daddy? Well, I think around my early teen years, high school years, I was following on that same path as my dad. Cause I thought that that's what being a man was, you know, I thought that because my dad was such a good father and he was still able to do this. You know, I thought that I could do the same, you know, because I wanted to be respected. I wanted to be loved. I wanted to be able to take care of other people. I wanted to be able to learn the streets, you know, and and it, you know, it was an experience for a little while. But I think that I knew that by the time I was a senior in high school, like, it's like this is not like what I want to do. You know, I don't want to stay. In, I, I never wanted to stay in New York. That was never the plan. You know, I never wanted to just stay so cemented to where I was and I you know aside from the wrestling like I wanted to be an actor like I wanted to be in Hollywood you know my nickname in high school they would call me Hollywood and and like you know everybody had like a little tagline that they would like graffiti on the wall I was graffiti Hollywood you know um and so I knew that that's where I wanted to be I just didn't know how to get there you know um, I played baseball a lot as a kid so I was like really good at baseball I played basketball through high school as well, but my, my focus was baseball. You know, after school, my dad would send me to like these boxing classes and I would train there. And, and so my life revolved around sports, but I got kicked out of two high schools. And by the time it was my senior year, you know, I couldn't play baseball on my senior year, on my team for my school because I was a senior and they already had, you know, um, their team set and I was just coming in. This is my third high school in three years. And it's like, okay, what, what, what are we going to do with this kid? It's like, we, we can't bench our shortstop who's been playing with us for three years now for this kid that's coming in who's probably going to get in trouble again anyways based off his record, you know? And so I didn't have nothing to do after school. I, I never wanted to work a regular job. Like, I, I don't know if to anybody who does, but for me, like sitting behind a desk, I just can't get behind that. Like, I just, there's something about somebody sitting there, standing over there, asking me where the files are or, or if the emails were sent or whatever type of shit people do like that. Like, for me, I just can't. You know, I'm, I'm a storyteller. You know, I, I'm, I'm creative. I'm innovative. I have an imagination that's been wild since I was a kid. And I know that whether... I'm telling stories in the ring or I'm, I'm telling the story on a computer to then shoot it into a film. Like that's what I do. Like that's me. You know, I want to be able to be in, you know, for that. I don't want to like, this is going to sound cheesy, but I want to be in the limelight. Like that's what I've always wanted since I was a kid. You know, I wanted to be Hollywood. I, I live in Hollywood now, you know, this is what I do. You know, I got films in Hollywood. I've worked in Hollywood. My first time wrestling on TV was the championship wrestler from Hollywood, you know, like, I'm Danny Limelight. I've always been that dude since I was a kid. I never changed. I stay authentic to who I was. And now that I get to sit here and do what I love for a living, it never feels like a job. And at the same time, like I'm setting the bar for my daughter and she's able to see, you know, that if she follows her dreams and she goes after what she wants, nobody could tell her nothing. My teachers told me I could never make a living wrestling. I make more than I think a lot of my teachers put together in a year now, you know what I'm saying, from wrestling. 
And I think that like, fuck man, that feels good, don't it? Do you know what? And 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 the one thing that's been amazing about yourself, sir, if I if I may blow smoke up your backside for a moment, uh, what's been amazing about you is that it, it, it's it's a real defining twelve months, I think, for everybody. Like the last twelve months during twenty twenty, and to be able to carve yourself uh, a, a place in in not just one but many major promotions during a global pandemic that takes a real that takes a a, a real bit of energy that takes a special kind of force and that takes a special uh kind of gumption and you've done that you've done it and it's like if if genuinely for any businesses anybody that starts out in the in the past 18 months the mindset really is if you can get through this jeez you get through anything everything else is going to be a breeze you know but- so it's been amazing to see you rise in 2020 in a year that's that so much bad has gone on uh you've been a, a bright star in all of that Thank you, man. And honestly, you know, when it was my first year out of the Marine Corps, so I did 10 years in the Marine Corps um, and I exited in October of 2019. So if we go from 2020, if we just go 2020 to even now, you know, let's start, let's go, let's go June 2020 to June 2021. You know, my first full year outside the military, you know, and, and when you when you make more money in something that you love to do in one year, you know, in your first real year of doing it full time than you did in 10 years in the military. Like, fuck, man. I, and that's that's that hustle that I, that I got from my father. That's that ambition that I got from my father. That's the hustle that I got from the streets. Like, I love the hustle. I love feeling that 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 pressure of, you know, we're in a pandemic. If I don't get my ass in the ring somewhere, like I'm not paying my bills. You know, my daughter's not eating. I love the process. And I feel like. Yes, I took a year that may go down in history as one of the worst years ever, and I made it the best year of my life. And I had so much fun in the process, and I think that makes it even better. And I was sitting last night at Taco Tuesday. I had a couple shots of Hennessy. I'm chilling with one of my boys, and we're sitting there just talking about things. And I'm just like, man, like, like I'm on my way, you know? Like, this is, this, this is what, this is where I'm going, you know? And and he sat. He's like, he's like, man, he's like, but it ain't never gonna be no better feeling than this. And I was like, what you mean? He was like, because right now you on the verge. He's like, that's the best feeling when you busted your ass and you're just about to get there that and you know it like that feeling feels great. Once you get there, you know, that's a different kind of feeling. He's like, but this feeling right here, I was like, you right, dog. Like this shit feels good. So good. So let's take take me back to um, where's there's a couple of things I wanted to touch on. First of all, uh, let's go back to Hollywood, i.e. when you were a kid. So Hollywood is walking through school. And uh, who uh, you wanted to be an actor? You wanted to get into into the movie world. Who were some of your your icons, your heroes that you looked up to when you were that age? Yeah, uh, man, Denzel Washington to this day still my favorite actor. Um, to me, he's the best. Training Day is my favorite movie with him and Ethan Hawke. Um, I love Keanu Reeves. We have the same birthday, you know. So I always like to joke and say I'm the one, you know. I'm, I'm the one <laughs> like. <laughs> but Keanu Reeves was a huge inspiration. Keanu Reeves is actually a huge inspiration for Joe Riv as well. Um, the, his John Wick films very much inspired Joe Riv. Um, Jason Statham was another one. I loved his action films. Um, Dwayne Johnson, obviously, you know, to me is one of the, man, he's, first of all, he's the highest paid actor in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. He went from wrestling to, to, to the, to Hollywood and he kind of really took it by storm. This dude is doing, I don't know how many movies a year, you know, uh, plus his TV shows, plus his tequila, plus his Under Armour, plus his, and he's, this guy, what doesn't he do, you know? So those were, I, guess I would say those were like my real heroes, you know? And obviously, you know, I'm a huge fan of the Marvel comics. So like, you know, it's a dream to work for Marvel, you know, but seeing guys like Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, um, Tom Holland, those guys really, you know, Scarlett Johansson, that's, that's where I want to be. You know, I want to be that person one day, you know? What, have you watched Loki yet out of interest? I have. What do we make of Loki? I, I think it was the best TV show of yes! so far. I really like I really liked WandaVision, but I feel like Loki just set so much up that I was more invested in the show because of what it was doing, you know. And fuck that last episode was so dope. We don't want to say too much, but it's but obviously because some people may not have seen it and still statute of limitation. But what I will say, Danny, is that I was I'd watched the last episode with my good lady, and then we're on the train uh, heading somewhere, and literally as I'm sat on the train, I realized, hang on. They've opened up the multiverses. All yeah. the old Spider-Man actors are in the next yeah. spot. Oh yeah. no! <laughs> that, that now it makes it. sense. 
You know what I'm hoping for? And this is probably far-fetched, but I'm hoping that it's going to be, you know, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, you know, Tom Holland. I'm hoping that Emma Stone is back as, like, Spider-Gwen, you know. I'm hoping that they even do, like, a little, like, Spider-Ham spider cartoon <laughs> Yes, like spider like, yeah, I mean, like, like, they like, could uh, do Spider Pig since yeah. it's Disney and they own yeah, Simpsons. exactly. Like, like, like some, some like a uh, like little version of of that pig, but cartoon style. And like uh, you know, I think it would just I think it would just be so different and so sick because everybody loved him in the in the in the cartoon version. So why not? You know, I'm hoping that this film's gonna really show us some cool Spider Mans and stuff like that. But on, on the flip side of things, you know, it's opened up the doors for the X-Men. It's opened up the doors. I was doors. about to say to you, do you reckon X-Men in the next few yeah, months or what? It, it, it opened up the doors for the Fantastic Four. It opened up, you know, the doors for a lot of things, you know. So I, I'm excited to see what Kang does. I think he's going to be a badass. The actor the actor killed it on scene, you know. So there's lots to love, lots to love. Um, the, And you said you spent 10 years in the Marines there as well. What took you to the Marines? Um. Well, it was a random story. I didn't really have a career path, you know, after school. I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't play baseball. I didn't get a scholarship. I couldn't afford college. They didn't want to take out loans, you know? So I kind of went to this recruiting office with this kid from my school and the, the recruiter did their magic, you know, and that day I was 17 years old and I had to go home to my parents and they came home and, and, and literally signed me up right there. Cause I was 17 do you think they would have been more enamored with you joining the Marines than getting into wrestling? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I still think that my dad would have believed in me if I told him I wanted to be a wrestler. I just feel like there was no way I would have been able to do it in, in New York. I just don't think, I, I feel like the SoCal yeah. wrestling scene is so hot. And I feel like I had to learn a lot about life before I was ready for that. And when I was 17, man, I was fucking 5'2", 115 pounds. You know, now I'm 5'8", 175, you know. I, I had to grow, you know. I, ha- I had to get the discipline. I was very immature as a kid. I would not have been able to do anything in this business. I think I would have burned way too many bridges. Um, probably been canceled out, you know. Uh, I just, I was very immature and reckless, and I was a hothead. And I think the Marine Corps kind of dialed that back a lot. Do you think had wrestling still not really been an option, you might have either gone back or stayed in the Marines? Say again. Do you think had wrestling not uh, presented itself to you, do you think you might have uh, furthered a career in the Marines? Well, I was wrestling and I was in the Marine at the same time. Like I was right. a sergeant. I was a sergeant in the Marine Corps while I was wrestling. Um, then I, I left wrestling for two years to go be a Marine Corps drone instructor. And then I came back to wrestling in 2018. And I think that like, I, I knew that I was doing okay. I was making some kind of name on the independent scene, but like not as much, you know? And I, and I felt like the Marine Corps was kind of holding me back. But the thing was, I was on a 10-year career now. And I was 10, 10 years away from retirement. You know, it's like you see it right there. But I wasn't happy in the Marine Corps anymore. Like I, I, I had felt so in love with wrestling. I had just started my acting career. You know, I got my first audition with Marvel to go do their stunt show, you know, Marvel stunt show. And, and like, I saw that Hollywood was literally a two hour drive from where I was living in Oceanside, California. You know, I had just bought a house down there. And I was like, man, like, like what if this is my time? You know, I'm still young. I'm in the best shape of my life. If I stay 10 more years in the Marine Corps, yeah, I'll still be able to wrestle here and there. By the time I get out, I'll be 38 and my body be broken probably. And there's no way I'd be able to get anywhere, you know, maybe, but I, th- I think I would be too old, too tired, maybe, or whatever, you know, I was like 28 years old when, when I got out of the Marine Corps, I was like I'm 28 and I'm still young. I feel young. I feel great. Like I'm getting some steam going, you know, maybe this is my time. And I decided to, to pursue that. I bet on myself like I always do. And, you know, I went to Hollywood and speaking of Hollywood, you know, the second match I'd watch on a desert Island, would be The Rock versus Hollywood Hogan from WrestleMania 18. Beautiful choice. So this is the this is an ultimate. This is because yeah. it's it's two generations of wrestlers coming together and and fighting. And it's of 2002. So presumably, no, because you were into WWF, so you wouldn't you would have been following this one presumably. Yes. So where did you watch this? First, time. I watched this match at my house on pay per view. Right. And the first thing I thought to myself was, how 
is this not the main event? I was like, how is so you're, anybody you're thinking like that as a fan already? Yeah. Then. Like, yes. Like, I was like, I was like, how is anybody going to follow this? Like, I just, I just remember not wanting to watch anymore after the match. You know, I don't even think I remember that there was a main event. You know, I just remember watching Hollywood Hogan and the rock and thinking to myself, okay, like the match was so dope. I was so invested. The crowd was so electric. And when it was over and we had more matches, I was like, wait, what? That mm. wasn't it. There's two there more was, matches after gonna... that. And I was just like, you didn't, you could have done them earlier. Yeah. The they whole argument that the title against match those, was last. Nothing against those other matches that happened after. It just, it just wasn't, it didn't mean as much. To, I don't think anybody as The Rock and Hogan meant. Um, it's funny how with the first two matches you picked, the, the, the cross-section is amazing. You've got high-paced, high-octane uh, wrestling action between Ray and Eddie. And this one, you've got Hogan and Rock literally staring at each other and getting ground-shaking pops. It's just... Yeah, because what I'm doing right power. now, I'm building my card, you know? So I'm thinking The Rock and Hogan's my main event. Nice. Ray and Eddie are going to open the show. And then for my third match, that's going to be in the middle of the match, um, I'm going to go with the first unsanctioned actual TLC match with the Hardy boys, Christian and Edge and the Dudley boys. That will be the second match, Ooh. which not, not the official TLC, the one that they kind of made into the TLC with yeah, that one. That will so, be my second match. And then the rock and Hogan will main event. Oh, nice. Well, I tell you what, we'll dip, in, dip into TLC in a minute, but I want to just, uh, with, with the Hogan rock match, um, was there, is there a moment from that that you love? I like to try and find out a particular moment. Oh, and it, some, um, there's everything about this is amazing, but if there's a little moment, a little flicker, just, a little look. You know, from, that very, from that very start, when, when they shoved the rock and the rock, boom, gets up and it's like, I'm like, oh shit, we're going to do this. You know, and then you hear the crowd. And then it was almost like they switched heal their face in the middle of the match kind of deal. Like it felt, you know, and, and then when the rock, boom, boom, one, two. And I knew, I was like, that's, I was like, Hogan's passing the torch. It's going to the rock. There's no way the rocks, you know, I, like, I knew, it, you know, it was the rock and, and, and man, the, the react, this is the whole match was so electric. The crowd was so loud. It was a very big, I remember like how loud it was for the match. And then the, the difference in the audio, <laughs> the volume from the crowd, <laughs> the back afterwards, you know? It's that mid-air shit. The Rock, the Rock was my favorite. The Rock's the guy that got me invested into wrestling. Um, I was a huge fan of his, you know, his promo work. I, 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 I didn't really know what was considered good wrestling and who was a good worker or any of that stuff didn't matter to me as a kid. I just remembered I wanted to watch his match because of all the shit that he had just talked on this other guy. I'm like, God, like, what is this other guy going to do? He just called him a jabroni and told him that he would shove his boot sideways, shined up, up his, you know, as you know, it's just to me, it was like, I was such a, I was such a rock mark. I'm still the rock. The rock's my, 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 the bar for, for when I look at uh, uh, someone in what I do, you know, whether it's wrestling or the acting, the rock's the bar. I think a lot of people, there's a many that think like that as well. And you do, and you, sir, absolutely nail it. Because he's somebody who who does walk that line between wrestling and acting and has just taken both to the other level. And every time he comes back and shows his face at the wrestling, th there, is a, there is a galaxy sometimes between the people he's on screen with and himself. And that isn't to the detriment of the people he's in there with. No. Uh, there's some amazing talent at the moment. But it's just, he's like, he's like, He's not a planet in the solar system. He's his own constellation. Like yeah, he's because he's Black Adam. <laughs> he's you know? Black Adam. He's completely <laughs> Black Adam. And it's and he's just on another level, man. It it is. I'm listen. I I would bet that the Rock will be president. Oh I yeah. I and you know what? I'm down for it. I'm absolutely down. For it. If if anybody can can. Can sort your country out. It's got to be him, isn't it? It's got to be him. <laughs> it has to be him. If not, I'm going to nominate him as the president of my island. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we've never done that before. We now have a president of the island. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I don't know what three matches he'd have. He hasn't responded to my DMs yet, but that's fine. He's busy. <laughs> but he does let me know. Mate, when he does, you'll be the first person to know. I promise Good. you. You're the first person and I tell. My, my dream match is me versus the Rock at Madison Square Garden. Book it. How does it go? What's the what's give me some spots from Rock versus Danny Limelight? Rock goes for the rock bottom. I when we go up, I arm drag him out of it, duck one, hit him with a German fire up. You know, he, he fucking gets up. He does his thing, tells me to bring it. You know, he just fucking hits me with the rock bottom. I hit him with my DDT. He kicks out. He goes to the people's elbow. 
You know, I nip up, catch him. I hit him with the rock bottom. <laughs> I don't fucking know. Hey, that's good. That sounds fine. He goes to put me in the sharpshooter. I roll him up, small package, one, two, big kick out. <laughs> I go for my DDT again. He catches me. He rock bottles me, hits the people's elbow, one, two, bigger kick out. You could have run him ragged, Danny. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Oh, I Perhaps Conan's coming in line for that World Tag Team title shot. Well, Conan here with Spice Boogie, Rivera in the bandana, and that's Dr. Julius Smith going crazy. What are they doing here, Rich? Well, that's certainly a surprise. This place buzzing with excitement and uh, what an unpredictable way to start things off here is This crew I'm running with right now, Dr. Julius Smokes. Some people don't believe shit until they step in it. Well, tonight, LAX is flushing the toilet on you monkey asses. My boy Rivera. Me But you could call me Rivera today. And Slice Boogie. Yeah, what's good, y'all? Make some noise. Billy, what up? New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Philly, if you're from the east side, make some noise. What's up? You know what? Now that I've finished introducing my crew and we're here in sold-out Philadelphia, and since you run Azteca Underground and you got all the power and you have the tag team champs, Los Parks, why don't we do my crew against Los Parks tonight? I'm a, as a matter of fact, right now. Let's talk about the hustle this last 12 months, 2020. 
uh, a standout year for you, AEW uh, and everywhere else in between as well. Uh, we met a lot of people met you doing AEW Dynamite. But I know you've done loads of other stuff before that. You were there as part of SoCal. You were there as part of a, a litany of other promotions. But when did you get the call for AEW? When did that all start? It was it was in October. You know, right around the time where I was kicking ass on New Japan Strong. I had just turned on Rocky Romero, joined Team Filthy. You know, I made it to the finals in the Lions Break Crown Tournament. Um, so I was a mainstay on New Japan Strong weekly. You know, I still am. It's part of Team Filthy. And it was it was right as my momentum from there was building that I went over to AEW. Unfortunately, you know, coming from the New Japan, there was uh, there was like, you know, just these expectations, I, I think, of, of my style. I think I lived up to those. And I think that's why people started seeing me a lot more on AEW. And then... I made my Dynamite debut, Team of Varsity Blondes against Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers. Insane moment for me. And, and that's when I got the Tier Zero contract after that. It's just, it was just, it just kind of went, you went from, from doing stuff with New Japan Strong. And, and, and that, is, that is a show that's coming, that is coming along really well. And the fact that we're now at a point where we're on the press of having ticketed fans there again, that's going to make a real yeah, difference. August 14th. August 14th is the day. Are you excited? Are you get, uh, now? Are you are you part of that show yet? Do we know? No. I don't want to give him. Wow, you sneaky devil! I don't. I haven't got a call yet. Oh well, that's infuriating if that's not the case. Um, you've been in there in terms of like for the AEW side. Just to finally touch on that, uh, you know, the guys like Kenny Omega, Eddie Kingston, John Moxley. Uh, but is there a standout opponent that you've had during your yes. run so far? Man, well, I want to give an honorable mention to my match with Ray Phoenix. That was insane. Oh. Um, but my favorite match, not only on AEW, but in my entire career was against Kanosuke Takeshita from DDT Pro when he came out and we had a hell of a match on AEW Dark Elevation. Did you expect that match to get the love that it got? I, no, I didn't have any expectations. I was like, this guy came in from DDT Pro. I know who he is. Probably doesn't really know much about me. Um, I just remember we had a conversation and he told me somebody's spoke very highly of me. I don't want to say who the person is, but in my opinion, that person's the best wrestler in the world. So to hear that that person was speaking highly of me and, and Kanosuke was excited to work with me, I was fired up. And at the time, they, man, they could have gave that match to anybody. If you think of all the guys that are on the roster and it was like, no, Danny Limelight. And I remember there was a part in the match where he hits me with this pop-up powerbomb. Boom, one, two, I kicked out. And there wasn't no live fans. It was the wrestlers, you know, around the ring. And they pop and they start chanting, this is awesome. And it's not like the, this is awesome, you know, like they feel obligated to say. It was real. And I think that the chemistry we had was so good that we actually had the, the workers invested in the match. It's my favorite match ever. And all I can remember thinking is I was laying there when he hit me with the powerbomb was if this place was sold out, they would be going fucking insane right now because the match only picked up from there, you know, and the way that we, he went for the German, I rolled him up one, two, we rolled all the way back. And then he rolled me up into the German bridge. It's just, everything was so crisp, so smooth, so fun. He's so good. You know, and then I got to work him again the following week when a team with the Seidel brothers against him and Kenny Omega again. And, and so, yeah, that was my favorite match ever, man. And I was not expecting it to get that kind of love. I didn't have any expectations. And then after the match, all I could think to myself was, man, I can't wait for everybody to see this. And and there, you were right to think that <clears throat> it just lit the place up. I've got a there's um this this transitions nicely because one of the matches that you had also there was against Santana and Ortiz. Uh, yes. you, uh, let's talk about MLW. Uh, let's yes. talk about LAX. Um, yes. How how did the MLW conversation start? First of all, well, it man. First of all, like two days after my, I met my contract obligations with AEW, and I realized that they weren't bringing me back. You know, I didn't really have time to sit around and think what's next. You know, I just knew I had to figure something out um, because I needed to keep the momentum going. I needed to stay grinding. You know, I love the grind, so I was like, I needed to, you know, make something happen. And Conan called me. Um, like two days after everything went down and I had a relationship with Conan because, you know, he brought me to AAA back in the day. He brought me to the crash in Tijuana, Mexico. So he already knew who I was. We had a good, a good working relationship, someone that I respected. Santana and Ortiz, there's about a handful of people that I, that I actually talk to and that I actually kick it with outside of work um, when it comes to wrestlers. I don't really hang out with a lot of them. 
but those two guys are my boys. I got a lot of love for both of them. I would always joke around. We'd always talk shit and make jokes and be like, man, like imagine if, you know, AEW put me and Santana Ortiz together. You know, what if they would have just did Eddie Kingston, Santana Ortiz and me, you know, Eddie's the, 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 you know, the, the, the main eventer and Santana Ortiz is the tag team. And I'm doing the workhorse matches, you know, like I just, I would always joke like that. And we'd always talk about it. And we had, we, those are my boys. So like, it wouldn't, we didn't, it wasn't like, we didn't have the same vibe. You feel me? So when Conan called me, it was like, yo, this is my idea. I want to bring you and Slice Boogie in. And Slice Boogie's my partner at the United Wrestling Network. You know, we're tag champs right now. Uh, and he was, I want to bring you and Boogie in for the new LAX. I didn't even think twice. I was like, I was like, let's do it. This sounds dope as fuck. Let's do it. Is there any pressure in that? In 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 coming in and taking on the mantle of of, of a faction which is which has seen so many greats coming through it, Homicide, Hernandez, and such, and yourselves the first, now. The first pressure is was when when we're standing behind the curtain and we know the music spots a hit. Are they gonna react? Are they gonna care? And if they care. I'm going to be disappointed that it's not Santana and Ortiz or that it's not Homicide and Hernandez, because if you think of Homicide Hernandez, they were the OGs of the LAX, you know, and then you got Santana and Ortiz and they did amazing things as, as LAX, you know, now they're proud and powerful and they're doing great things as well. But now it's me and Slice and Slice is just coming up now. He's just making his rounds with NWA power. Um, he, he's Santino bros trained. He's doing some things here and there on the Indies. And then me, I had just spent the whole year of quarantine really cementing who I am. You know, 2020 SoCal Most Outstanding Wrestler, 2020 SoCal Wrestler of the Year, 2020 PWI One to Watch. Like, I was knocking down all these little accolades here and there and making all these debuts and having all these great matches and wrestling the best in the world. But you still wonder, are the fans going to give a fuck when we come out and they're expecting some version of LAX and they're going to get a new version? And when the music hit and they erupt i don't want to spoil mlw battle riot airs saturday i don't know when this is airing uh this is the, by this time battle riot is out and available for people to watch so okay perfect cool. so you know but still don't spoil it go and watch it in fact yeah. don't, don't finish this first then go and watch it yes finish this first then go and watch it yes please. But just, just the way they reacted to us you know it wasn't it was the biggest pop of my life i, I had never had a building go that nuts before for me ever you know, I, I, the only thing that came remotely close was when I wrestled in front of the live fans against Eva Uno on, on Dark Elevation. But other than that, this was the biggest reaction I've ever got in my life. And when they realized it wasn't Santana Ortiz, at no point do I feel like they cared less. In fact, I felt like they were hungry to see what we were going to do. And we did some cool shit. See, you're jumping with in with uh, Major League Wrestling at a time where momentum is really on their side. They're uh, coming, they're coming back strong after a break during the pandemic. With um, does this mean? Because obviously you've talked about being being with United Wrestling Network, uh, with yeah. uh, New Japan of America. Uh, your MLW contract, if you can't talk about it, it's fine. Uh, are you allowed to go and dip in other places, or are you strictly uh, Major still, League Wrestling now? No, I'm still a lot of work for New Japan. I'm still a lot of work the indies and i'm still allowed to work you're not a wrestling network so people are still going to see as much of me as they want in their in their tv screen you know but you've got that comfort of a contract that says i've got somewhere that is home my, my bread and butter my home now and uh, and and that's what the hustle's all for isn't it that's what this is for you don't get no better than that uh, when who so who rather in in mlw are you especially keen to get to get amongst it with um, I want to wrestle David Richards. Nice, good shout. David Richards, um, Hammerstone, Fatu. I want to get in there with everybody. But what I will say is that the first thing that's on my checklist is becoming MLW Tag Team Champions. Nice. That's that's the way you you celebrate the LAX name is by getting that getting that. No. Amazing, amazing. Away from wrestling, uh, we've talked a little bit about the movies, talked a little bit about the acting. Uh, we've got to give the push to Joe Riv. It's out next month. Yes, sir. This month. So, this, Joe, yes. so it's the, uh, this is you. You've written this and you're starring in this. Yes. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's kind of got that Jason Statham-esque vibe to it. Talk to yes. us about it. Man, it's, it's, uh, I wrote it, produced in it, uh, excuse me, produced it, starred in it, did my own stunts, coordinated everybody else's stunts, um, worked with award-winning Egyptian filmmaker, Miko Sad. Um, Worked with Nick Herms, who's done over 100 
films in Hollywood. He's a stuntman, but he, he did, he came in, he seconded, he directed the action fights, you know, make sure we got all the shots that we needed um, so that they registered on screen, uh, worked with some really cool stunt people. And, and, and man, it's just so crazy, you know, writing the script in, during the pandemic, shooting it in one day during the pandemic, because we were on a time crunch, no budget, things like that, but we got it done in one day. And then, me looking at everybody on set that day and say, we're going to bring this to the festivals or, or this movie's going to do some things. And then being able to hold up my end of the bargain by getting the film to the festivals, you know, it premieres July 29th at 7.30 a.m. Um, excuse me, 7.30 p.m. July 29th in Las Vegas. And, and then, you know, the next two dates after that, the 30th and the 31st is a ceremony where, you know, we've, we hopefully are going to win some awards, you know, four selections, um, two finalist selections, one semifinalist selection. Uh, and, and I think that Joe Rev is going to do some cool things. Uh, how do you find the process of writing, especially during the last 12 months when we've all just been shut inside? How did you find it? <clears throat> so writing for me is I don't just write to write, you know, like I need to be inspired. I have a great imagination. I'm very creative. Um, but when I'm sitting in the jacuzzi, relaxing my body, you know, that's where most of my ideas come from. That's where I feel like, oh, this would be cool. Oh, this would be good. It was easy to write because I did have a lot more time. I had just, you know, I've been going to school for acting and filmmaking. So I had learned some things. Um, and yeah, man, just just being able to put that on paper and then take that and put it on film is it, not an easy process. It's very, very very shrug uh excuse me tiring because it's a lot of hard work it's a lot of consistency it's a lot of phone calls it's a lot of we need this we need that how do we get this fix that change this make that you know like edit this color that it's just so much that goes into it you know i'm super excited um for everybody to see it and i'm grateful for safe al-sharif from creative labs who was the editor and the color for the film he brought the film to life um like i said we didn't have a really big budget and we didn't really have that much i didn't have that much experience as a filmmaker luckily i had miko there helping me but the cameraman that we had you know he wasn't the best cameraman he was new you know still learning so safe did a lot of things in post-production to make the film look as good as we wanted it to look if you had to choose between um a career in writing movies or a career in acting in movies do you have yeah. a preference yeah i want to be in the limelight there you go. I want to Simple. be in the limelight. <laughs> whichever, it, whichever it takes. Let's get to your, your third. Oh, so the movie. One more plug for the movie. When's it out? July 29th. 29th. Uh, 7.30 p.m. is the premiere. Tickets on sale now in Las Vegas. Amazing scenes. So your third and final match, you briefly mentioned it there. Remind us what the third and final match is. Uh... TLC match, but it wasn't the TLC. It was the Hardys, the Dudleys, and Edge and Christian. That ladder match that kind of became a tables, ladders, and chairs match. The unofficial first TLC match right. from WrestleMania 17. So uh, the, the year before Hogan and uh, Rock squared up. 18, yeah. Who did you watch this with? My sister, she's huge. She loves the Hardy Boys. It's me and my sister. Um, I think my dad was there too. And uh, man, so sick. <laughs> nothing, I'd never seen nothing like that before. It's just so sick. Uh, we've seen obviously Christian and Matt Hardy and such part of AEW and both back doing stuff on the independent circuit. Have you ever had a chance to catch up with any of these guys ahead of your dates and, and, and tell them what this match means to you? Well, we briefly talked about it one day. You know, uh, I had a really, I have a really good relationship with Matt Hardy. Um, and me and Christian, we talked a lot. You know, he gave me a lot of good feedback, critique, things I could do better. He was very approachable, very smart. You know, he knows his business. And so I learned a lot from him. Um, but it was, you know, I remember talking briefly about it with Matt Hardy. And just like, just like, just, I just thanked him. Like, this is dope. That, that was dope. You know, thank you for that. Because, because they stepped outside the box, you know, they, they were innovative. They were, they wanted to steal the show and they did that. And I think that like, maybe at the time they didn't know what they were doing, you know, not that they didn't know what they were doing as far as work-wise, but maybe they didn't know that this was going to, it was going to be as big as it was. It was going to set, change the landscape of what, a match like that should be you know they invented a match you know what i'm saying so like it's i don't know it it's rare when something like that happens when a match like that just completely grabs you and you get to tell them about it as well which i think is really cool yeah um what's what's a great bit of advice that christian's given you um christian once told me that i remind uh, I reminded him of eddie guerrero 
um, that meant the world to me. And he just told me that, look at how Eddie did things, the intensity, the purpose behind what Eddie was doing. He said, I don't need, he told me, you don't need so many of this, 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 you know, try this, you know, use this, watch, watch Eddie, watch why he did things. In the, and, and I think that these last few months, that's what I've been doing. I've been taking a lot of things out of what I, of my arsenal, not that I can't do it, just that I don't need, you know, so many springboards or rope tricks or, you know, he, he just says that I needed to really five pound bag of shit, trying to stuff 10 pound bags in 10 pounds in <laughs> that's little, like the terminology that he used, you know? So that to me was really sound advice. Amazing. Now um, it is eight o'clock, just gone eight o'clock in the morning where Danny is today. Uh, he's a, a massively busy day ahead of him and he's, very kindly taking time this early in the morning to chat to us so we won't keep you any longer but danny thank you very much for sharing your three favorites where can people find you online do all your plugging danny oh man well i just want to say you know tom thank you so much for having me on the show um this was a lot of fun to talk to you for everybody listening thank you for listening um you can find me on twitter and instagram at danny limelight ProWrestlingTees.com backslash Danny Limelight. Watch New Japan Strong every week. Watch MLW every week. Watch Championship Wrestling from Hollywood every week. And you never know when you're going to see me. Stay tuned for Joe Riv coming soon. And, and a lot of other projects that I'm working on. Just go check out my IMDB page, Daniel L. Rivera. I have a lot of projects coming up, and I can't wait for you all to see all of them. One final question before we let you go. Say, for example, Danny Limelight is taken back in time, baby by a time ball. Uh, back to school where... By the time, yes, maybe my, by the time. My, the multiverse of me, the multiverse version of me, the time board. Blade that's out. it. That's it. The variant, Danny Limelight, takes yes. Danny back in time. There's Hollywood walking the school locker room. You can say one thing to him, a little bit of advice for, for his time ahead. What would you like to say to a younger version of yourself? Control your narrative. Nice. He's wore a t shirt with the answer on. Yes. That is, that is long term wrestling storytelling. Shout out to EC3. Shout out to EC3. This long term <laughs> storyteller right here. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic.